0: everybody. Dave DeBow back at you with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And as we are recording this, we're at the beginning of 2023. Things have definitely shifted in the market over the last number of months. It's gone from go, 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 go to kind of like, uh, what's happening next? And our special guest today, James Null, is somebody who's definitely got his finger on The Pulse, especially with the markets in Western Canada. James is a rock star realtor with branch offices in Edmonton and now in Vancouver. He's also a very astute investor himself. He's done multiple different strategies over the years. He's got a ton of experience with his own deals and with his clients' deals. And today we're going to be talking exactly about that. What do we do? How do we shift? What do we do differently to take advantage of the new market situation. So James, welcome to the call. Glad to have you
1: here, buddy. Hey, Dave. It's great to be chatting again. I was super excited when we got a chance to book the opportunity to chat here on your podcast. So great to be reconnected. And I I love talking about the market. It's a new year and it's time for some new strategies.
0: It is. It is. So what what are you seeing that was working before that ain't working so good anymore?
1: Great question. And you know what? It's it's so a little background i mean i was a member of rain for over 10 years and if there's one thing we know about rain real estate investment network style investing it's that cash flow matters mm. you know and i i know that that's not unique to rain but we we really want to focus on not losing money every month it seems like a given but it's a pretty fundamental investment concept is that we want our properties that by the time we collect our rent pay all the expenses we want a little bit left over at the end of the month well when well, rates- that
0: that's been hard to do in Vancouver for a long time, and in most most single family home type properties, even it, most multifamilies. But it anyhow- sure has,
1: yeah. yeah, it sure has. And so, what a lot of Vancouverites do is they'll they'll buy a negative cash flow and speculate. Most other markets across Canada, we're talking Alberta, Saskatchewan, all across the prairies, out into the Atlantic provinces, you can buy a house, rent it out, and make money every month. And so what we've seen for the last 10 years as a portfolio diversification strategy is people will buy speculatively pre-sales or negative cash flow properties in Vancouver in BC, and then they'll buy their breadwinner properties, their steady eddies, their cash flow properties in Alberta. Right. Well, with interest rates spiking, the mortgage payments on an average income property have gone up but rents are lagging behind. So we're in a funky window right now where rents haven't come up enough yet with the inflation to cover the increase in mortgage payments. So in places like BC, we're seeing cash flows get more negative. And in places like Alberta, we're seeing cash flows get to zero or a little bit negative. So Mm -hmm. You know that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is, yeah, well, how the heck are we going to acquire property in a portfolio and still sleep at night?
0: Well, two things I'd like to cover if we can, James is number one, how to acquire properties. Number two, what to do with the ones you already got if they've gone from positive to negative. Can we cover both of those?
1: Absolutely. And right. you know, a lot of the strategies are going to apply to both scenarios, so it's going to be a great conversation because, I know that is a question on a lot of our minds right now as well, what the heck do I do and how the heck do I cash flow? Well, so, let's
0: let's hit it, let's hit the ground run and tell us what what right. do we do, man?
1: Yeah, you know what? Let's start with acquisition because if if you're looking at new properties, you're in a bit of a better situation simply because you can set it up right from the start. So you can be proactive with the properties we already own. We're being reactive, right. we're reacting to a market situation. And you know. If given the choice between proactive and reactive, it's nice to be proactive. So let's talk proactively first. So when cash flows go down, we have to look at offense and defense. That's what I like to call it. Offense, rent, defense, expenses. You can either raise the revenue or minimize the expenses or a combination of both. So to talk about rental revenue, ways that we can attack rental revenue are figuring out where there's additional value added Strategies to increase rents. So, what does that mean? Typically, it means furnishing the unit and it means shorter term rental, either monthly rental rental, which is you know sometimes referred to as medium-term rental, right. and and/or short, short-term, nightly short-term rental, like Airbnb VRBO style. Now, lots of places have restrictions on those short-term rentals, and so medium term is often the answer. The yin to the yang is that it's expensive to furnish a place. And when you do the five-year projection on your property, that furniture depreciates super fast. So Mm -hmm. you do lose value in that initial investment in the furniture. So part of your calculation needs to be how much will furnishing the place raise the rent by? And is it worth it to invest that much extra money in furniture to get that corresponding increase in rent?
0: Now well, well let's let's take a look at that for a second and just yeah. unwrap it for a second there, James. So in your experience yourself or working with clients, let's say we're looking at what kind of a property would it be, a three, two type property? What what are we looking at for a typical kind of kind of a rental for this kind of situation?
1: Well, I'll throw I'll throw two examples at you. Let's take sure. a let's take a pretty standard three bedroom, one and a half bathroom, 1100 square foot upper suite of a nicely renovated bungalow in Edmonton. There's Perfect. a lot of them. You know yep. those houses will sell for 450ish, give or take depending on the neighborhood. And you'd expect to see a rental bump of between $250 to $450 per month for furnishing that. Okay. Now, a different example, a $1 million condo in downtown Vancouver, 3 bedrooms, 2 bathrooms. Yes, they exist. I just bought one. The monthly rent on a place like that is about 5 grand. However, the average monthly or nightly rate at about an 80% occupancy, I checked on air DNA is going to be about 500 per night. So, you know, we're getting 500 times, you know, about 20 to 25 nights, you know, that jumps our rent up to about 10,000 to 10,000 plus a night. That's what I'm talking about. So depending- and, and, until, until the local government shuts you down. Until, yeah. So there's there's about 10 <laughs> buildings left in downtown Vancouver that still allow for Airbnb in their bylaws. So we targeted one of those because we had to be okay. specific with our, our strategy. We didn't go in all willy-nilly. So the point is, furnishing will boost your rent by how much? That's an analysis piece. But here's the other thing to consider, because that furniture does depreciate. Well, don't treat furnishing your property as a short term solution because if you're buying 20 or $25,000 worth of furniture to try to deal with a negative cash flow situation, well, let's say that you're negative cash flowing something aggressive, like $500 per month. Right. In 12 months, that's $6,000. In five years, that's $30,000. If you're buying 20 to $25,000 of furniture that's going to depreciate down to nothing, It's way more work, way more effort and way more complicated to manage a furnished rental because of how much more tenant turnover you have and how much more maintenance you have to do to keep furniture in good shape and how much more wear and tear shorter term tenants do on your place. So even though it's super counterintuitive, From kind of old school rain cash flow thinking, it might actually be a more effective use of your capital. And this is where we get into Vancouver style investing. It might be a more effective use of your capital over a five-year snapshot to just take 10 or $15,000, put it in a special reserve fund and use that to subsidize the negative cash flow until your rent increase catches up. So again, for Prairie Investing, super counterintuitive, Vancouverites, you know, there's a lot of people nodding saying like, yeah, I did that because I I believed in the growth in the marketplace. So, with the immigration coming to Canada, 500,000 people planned for 2023 and with yep. a lot of those targeting Alberta, there's a very strong case for some speculative plays heading into the next 5-year cycle. So, you know, that's a second way that we can attack the revenue side, which is just quite simply you know, I'm, it's a $500,000 place. I have to put a hundred down. Well, let's make my initial investment one fifteen instead of a hundred. And that 15 goes towards subsidizing the rent until it catches up. And that's a lot less headache and about the same ROI as furnishing it and renting it out on a shorter term rental. So those are very two ways to play with revenue.
0: Yeah, I know. Very interesting. Again, speculative,
1: right? Cause we're absolutely we're, speculative. We're,
0: <laughs> we're definitely going negative there. Okay. So that's looking forward. How about the whole, how do I deal with it? now if my positive cash flows turn negative wow that's another fantastic idea hold on to that thought for a sec we'll be right back now are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital well i want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming investor attraction workshop You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop.
1: Exactly, so we're gonna talk first about expenses because expense management is just as important as rent creation. So from an expense management perspective, there's certain expenses we can play with, certain expenses we can't. You can't change the mortgage rate. Now, if you locked in, good for you, but we're not talking about those people. So, you know, this is for everybody else. You're not gonna be able to change the taxes. You might be able to play with the utilities by investing in energy upgrades, but that, you know, if you're already in a tight budget, that's not very realistic. Yeah. So, what can we impact? Well, we know that in a pro forma, usually you do a five to 10% allowance for vacancy plus repairs and maintenance, depending on how you put that together. So, the way from an acquisition perspective to attack those things is to go for nicer properties newer properties, better locations, where vacancy is lower and there's less initial repairs and maintenance to do. Owning your own properties perspective, it might even though it's counterintuitive because you have negative cash flow, it might actually be time to offer a rental incentive to your existing tenants so that you don't have to suffer a vacancy. 50 bucks a month, that's $600 a year. You know, one month of vacancy on a place that rents for 1500 it's worth investing the 600 in the short term while the market is tight to save yourself two or three months of vacancy at 1500. So what
0: do what you, what are you suggesting in that case? Like give them a $50 a month discount or? or
1: yeah. Depending yeah. on the tenant, you know, I mean, we haven't seen rents come up enough to really justify going in guns blazing with a $200 rental increase. So if you happen to have a property that justifies a hundred dollar rental increase, talk to your tenant and say, look, All of this data is telling me $100 is a rental increase that makes sense. We're only going to do 25. I want to save you 75. For places where the rents aren't going up, say, look, the market's tight and I would love you to stay. So if you resign for a year or 18 months, I'll lock in your rent with a little bit of a discount. Again, we're combating vacancy. So at the surface, it seems counterintuitive. Well, hey, how does lower rent save me money? But I can tell you, If that tenant leaves you're spending one two months on vacancy couple thousand bucks there and you're probably gonna have to spruce the place up and so if you're already in a tight budget spending five to ten thousand dollars on a tenant turnover might be the thing that breaks it so even though it's counterintuitive dropping the rent by 50 bucks a 600 hundred dollar investment over the year could be the thing that saves you ten thousand dollars while we're waiting for the market to stabilize so that's right right.
0: so so it's not so much a matter of Necessarily being able to turn that back into a cash flow positive place, it's to slow the bleed. <laughs> exactly,
1: and that's you know I, I'm talking about some of these extreme situations. So like yeah. you know it, the the battle of you know dropping, you're winning the war here. You know like saving saving ten if you're in a tough spot is well worth investing a little bit in le- lower rent. Second thing we can attack. You know what? If you're in a position where it's tight. This is a roll up your sleeves type scenario. It's a batten down the hatches scenario. So tell your property manager you're going to take it from here. You might just need to self manage. 10% is, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. I mean, I don't want to manage my own properties, but if that's the difference between my property, my portfolio collapsing into negative cash flow and not, you know, like, these are the types of times that test your character, test your mettle. And this is why we got into real estate investing. And you know, 20 years from now, you'll be like, ah, that was a tough year. But you know what? I'm glad I hung on of those properties. And now I've got a really happy financial future. So that's, that's another way we can look at pushing the expense side. Now,
0: quick question for you. What, what do you see as far as like if you've got some of these single family homes in Alberta, Saskatchewan, et cetera, They're long-term rentals right now. They've gone negative cash flow. What if you ponied up, furnished them, and turned them into short-term rentals instead of medium-term rentals? Would that make much of a difference cash flow-wise?
1: I think it would. Again, furnishing and shortening your term always increases the rent. So if there's the capital available to invest in that furnished option, and your main concern is the rental amount, then i would say consider investing it another option is you know again depending on how how hard hit you are by the the variable rates you know it might be time to just sell one you know i mean it it sucks to go backwards but this is a go backwards kind of market for some people and so you know you might need to sell one to recover some equity that you use to subsidize the rest until the market comes around It's going to feel really crappy in the short term, but it feels a lot less crappy to do that than to lose a bigger chunk of your portfolio. So, you know, don't think about it in terms of trying to cling to every property. Think about it like a wise portfolio manager just rebalancing a stock portfolio. It's the same strategy, it's the same mindset, it's the same approach. Of course, real estate's a little bit less liquid. So, you know, you're going to have to spruce up the property and hire the realtor and go through the whole shebang. But at the end of the day, Think about it like a portfolio rebalancing to make it through a tough market don't think about it like oh my gosh i'm losing mm-hmm. 50 dollars 70,000 in a property i'm never gonna you'll recover from this it's a portfolio rebalancing and if you have to let go of one to save the other five it's definitely worthwhile to do that in a market like this
0: no that makes a lot of sense and it's it's about getting the emotion out of it and exactly and not being so attached to things James, very, very wise words. Definitely appreciate that. If people want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about you and what you're up to in Edmonton as well as Vancouver, where should they go?
1: Well, my social media platform of choice is still Facebook. I'm old school like that. So look up James Knull on Facebook or just hit up our website, www.mogulrgmogulrg.com. Give me a call, drop me an email. I'm easy to get a hold of, and I love chatting about real estate.
0: Sounds good. James, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's been a slice. Thanks for having me on, Dave. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book,